What's going on, everybody? Man, welcome back in. We haven't seen you guys in a while. It is the podcast. According to sources, you can follow us at A2S Pod One Twitter, Instagram. You can also go and find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, type in according to sources or A2S Network, and you will be able to pull us up on iTunes, SoundCloud, and also Spotify and all uh, media multimedia platforms. I have my guys with me. We are the best three-man weave in podcast land. I got my guys running the wings with me. Brian Crawford, B underscore Craw 4D, and my guy Chris Kaysen on the right side. As always, we start off with the opening layups tonight. Before we get to that, this is the special NBA draft preview. We look forward to having special guest Rashad Phillips, RP3 Natural on Twitter and Instagram, joining us from Sports Talk 2319 to give us the rundown and the breakdown on all the draft prospects. But before we get to that, I'm going to go ahead and throw this no-look bounce pass to my guy Brian Crawford for the opening layup. BC, what's on your mind? Man... Not nothing really. I, you know, I was kind of looking at Twitter today, and I seen that uh might be a little shakeup happening in Boston. Um, it's kind of interesting. Obviously, it's involving Gordon Hayward. Um, didn't kind of work out for him there, but you know, if he ended up in Indiana, it might be good. I don't know if they're gonna trade up trade him for Miles Turner. I don't know. I don't think Miles Turner could play dead, but whatever. But um. You know, I just hope Kemba is not a casualty in this, and I think they talking about trading him straight up for Drew Drew Holiday. So, you know, with the season less than well, a little bit more than a month away, you know, for them to make these types of changes seems like a pretty big deal. I think Indiana will be a good place for Hayward. You know, fresh start, he played basketball there, um, college basketball there at Butler, so that might work out for him. Kind of yeah. feel bad for Kemba because um, you know he just. With Charlotte to Boston, he could be, you know, on his way to New Orleans. Um, I think he's a solid player, but you know, going, you know, again, fresh starts in this particular situation, you know, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, it might be good for a lot of these guys. So, just kind of sitting back and just, you know, kind of seeing what's going on and what's going to happen. But um, yeah, I think Gordon Hayward in Indiana would probably be a good move for him. Um, maybe Kemba in New Orleans would be good too. I think that'd be exciting. I don't know what you would do with Lonzo Ball at that point, but um, you know, we'll see. Man, looking forward to a lot of movement, not just at the draft necessarily. And we'll get into that down the line. Free agency starts on the 20th of November and possible trades even before the season starts. C4, here's the oop to you, man. Open the layup. What you got? Uh, I just tell everybody this around this time, like, take everything you read with a grain of salt. Yeah. Just because uh, just with the time we're in and how quickly the season is approaching, there's a lot of agents out here of unhappy players who want to players maybe looking to get moved. So you're going to see some crazy stories. I read the athletic story just with the Houston Rockets situation. And you have these little weird tidbits that always come in, like James Harden, like cursing out Austin Rivers because he was by the bench doing the free throw and distracting him. So uh, it's a lot of stuff that's comes out as the season gets closer, especially this year, more so than any, just because you have the draft, then you have free agency, and then you have this training camp, like so close to one another. So it's going to be a lot of things out there that are ridiculous. So take it, take everything you read with a grain of salt. All right, man, let's get to it. NBA and the MBPA came to an agreement for an amended CBA. 
in that we will have uh november 20th as the start date for free agency the season will start on december the 22nd it will be a 72 game season uh three of the points that stuck out to me in this amended cba the tax levels remain the same at 109.1 million and 132.677 million and then also the tax bills will be the same based upon those tax levels but there will be a relief for teams over the tax line because they will be able to receive i don't want to say a refund but they will be able to receive money back based upon the nba basketball related income that comes short of the expectations the nba did announce that as well so teams that will be over the tax level will get some type of relief because of that and then we go originally uh going into it the nba was looking to garner 40 percent of the players income to pull back and help with the nba costs and the uh, players were able to negotiate 20 percent uh regardless of 40 or 20 you know the top players are good you know yeah. they made their money uh but when you start talking about guys that are on those minimum contracts and you start taking 20 percent of their uh, con uh of their contract before taxes that's before taxes yeah. before the agent can touch it you're talking about something that could be detrimental, man, and definitely something they would have to adjust to in their lives. But this is just the time that we're in. So uh, your thoughts on how the season should play out and how it's going to look. Do you think teams will be going into this season, given some of their star players, especially teams that just came out of the bubble? Do you think there will be more low management than you? Uh, 72 games. I mean, I think low management is just – kind of one of them things that's <clears throat> here to stay for whatever reason. So I think, you know, I, I think a lot of that you'll see a, a lot of it kind of play out in the early part of the season. Yeah. I think with the 72 games, you know, they're basically trying to get the league back on track, you know what I'm saying, in terms of, you know, when you had a playoffs in, what is it, April, um, finals in June, so they can kind of reset the season that way. Um, but I think everybody got to make sacrifices at this point. You know, especially like if you're a team like the Clippers or, you know, the Lakers or the Heat, where you right. only get like, uh, what, a lot of teams have like 200 or something days off, 270, 270 days off versus, uh, you know, the guys that played in the bubble, 70, if that, you know what I'm saying, 60 something. So, um, I mean, I think it was, it was good. It was a good sign that they came to an agreement early. You know, in terms of you kind of drag things out because I know they wanted to play the season like a Martin Luther King holiday or whatever. So for them to, you know, get to the table and not have any, you know, protracted like labor disagreements or whatever like that, you know, I thought that part of it was good. As far as money, I mean, everybody's going to take a hit, man. Everybody's going to take a hit right. because you're going to have, you know, I think it was the Lakers that announced the other day, yesterday, that they're going to play games with no fans in the stadium. Um, so you're going to have a lot of situations like that where, you know, some games, you know, you're going to have fans in some arenas, some other arenas you're not. You know, you got the situation with Toronto. They're still trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, right. If they're going to play in Canada, if they're going to play in Florida. So it's a lot of stuff going on, man. Like, it's a lot of moving parts. You know, the pandemic's kind of changed everything. So everybody's kind of playing the situation by ear. But, um, I mean, I think it's good if you're a basketball fan, you know, it's good that we're going to get the NBA back. You know, the problem is, are we going to see a situation like we've seen in the NFL? You know, we're going to start having cases, games get canceled, rescheduled, stuff like that. So those are the things you kind of got to worry about. But in terms of being able to, you know, tip off again and 
having a free agency in the draft, which I think is kind of weird, back-to-back like that, with virtually no time. Um, you know, so those things is going to take a little bit of getting used to. But other than that, I mean, I think it's good for everybody. You know, sacrifices got to be made, and this is just one of them. All right. Before we bring our special guest, Rashad Phillips, in on Sports Talk 2319, I want to get to UC4. 72 games. We know the teams that came out of the bubble. Is this also something to where the NBA really had to think about, man, we have teams that if we push this back to 2021, that might not even get on the court and might not have played basketball for over a year, going on 13, 14 months. That had to be a consideration in these negotiations with the NBA and the MBPA. Well, more so than anything, I think you look at just the dollar amount in terms of losses, what they were projected to lose had they started in January. So first of all, the NBA is a business, first and foremost of it also, regardless of whatever team's schedule and when they last played and you know, however, when, whenever that last game was, the NBA was focused on that dollar amount at the end of the day. Uh, it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be one that, you know, even just this past one, it was one that we hadn't seen before. This one will be right up there uh, just because I don't think you'll have, you know, the amount of traveling involved. I think, you know, if that West Coast, a West Coast trip, you know, you may be in the on the West Coast for like two weeks and you may play the same team, you know, a total of like two times, two times per week, you know, depending on, you know, however many times, however the schedule breaks down because you right. want, you just want to reduce, you know, just the amount of travel, first of all, and then just being around like there'll be stadiums with fans, there'll be stadiums without fans. So you have to take all of that in consideration. The one thing that I'm interested in is just this rookie class, you know, how and I think we kind of overlooked the value and the importance of that summer league. These rookies aren't going to have that. There's not going to be a ramp up before going into training camp. You pretty much getting thrown right into the right into the fire. So that's going to be interesting. I don't think you'll see like too many rookies getting off this year just because of that. But it's going to be interesting nonetheless. All right. We want to welcome it to the podcast. According to sources, our special guest for this NBA draft preview. Uh, just say like this, man, a Detroit Hooper. See, we respect Chicago <laughs> Hooper. We respect Detroit Hoopers. I'm going to start with that first. He's a trainer. He's into training athletes. He's also an analyst, college basketball, high school basketball. You can see him talking about the NBA, Sports Talk 2319. You can follow him on social media. That's RP3 Natural Man, none other than Detroit <laughs> Rashad Phillips, welcome to the podcast, according to sources, my brother. Uh, uh, I I appreciate y'all having me. I, I really do. Crawl, what's up, dog? What's up, boy? How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. Y'all y'all good over there, man? I, again, I appreciate I appreciate y'all having me. Hey, we appreciate um, you. Before we get into the draft, I want to ask you this question. I also yeah. have to throw out this as well. 1996 MVP okay. of the Magic <laughs> Round Ball Classic. <laughs> yeah. And if people know, 94 was a great year when it comes to the NBA draft. You were on the floor with some NBA legends. Tell yeah. us about that moment and what it felt for you. Uh, and if you have a Kobe Bryant story, just please share it. Yeah, it was, um, that was a, a monumental moment for me personally, you know, coming out of high school at, you know, at the time, five foot nine, uh, 150 pounds, unranked. 
you know, playing against 19 of the top players in the country, Kobe Bryant being the the ultimate great white shark at that time, um, Tim Thomas, Richard Hamilton, Jamal McGlure, Shaheen Holloway, Lester Earl. I mean, that high school class was so loaded with talent. So to be able to get on the court with them and um, and, and, and to, to win MVP was, you know, you know, a, a testament not only to myself, but just the city of Detroit and just letting people know that, you know, our city, you know, pushes out that type of talent. So I was just happy to be on that stage and, and that kind of, you know, pr- propelled me to go off to college and, and, and have a pretty decent career there as well. Well, I want to start right here before we start breaking down specific athletes and draft prospects. Yeah. I want you to tell me, I'm going to give you two or three athletes and you tell okay. me you're the GM. You tell me <laughs> okay. how you're setting up the workout and what you're looking for. Okay. You're bringing in Anthony Edwards. What are you going to put him through to let you know this is the guy that we want? That's a, that's a great question, man. I like that. Um, one thing I want to see with Anthony Edwards, if, if we're, if, if this is our boardroom, we're an NBA team. I'm saying, look, fellas, this is what we need to do. I want to see Anthony Edwards do a lot of things off the ball. Mm-hmm. I want to see him doing that. I want think we lost him for a second, man. We'll get uh, Rashad back, but I'm interested. Like he said, he wanted to see Anthony Edwards off the ball. We know the big workout he had there in California with Clutch Sports. Yeah. And, um, Bro, Can you, yeah. Have, you guys hear me? Yeah, we got yeah, we you got back. You. We got you back. Oh, you muted now. You muted now. Okay, now you good. You good. You got us? Take my thing. You got us? I can't hear. No, I can't hear you guys. I'm sorry. I can't hear. Okay, nothing. Um, Let me try it again. Hold on. All right. Oh, oh, you got it? Okay, I hear you guys now. Okay. All right, cool. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, just pick up for where you left off, Anthony Edwards, man. So, sorry. So, if we're sitting in the room, I'm going to say, look, guys, this is what we need to do with Anthony Edwards. We need to we need to bring him off the ball. I want to see him catching and shooting. I want to see him coming off screens. I want to see him moving and, and making plays like that. Obviously, on tape, what he does well is play with the ball in his hands. But at the NBA level, and you three know this, you got to be able to be a chameleon when you come into the NBA. You got to be able to play a multitude of styles in order to fit your your teammates. Um, and I think with Anthony Edwards, his his best attribute obviously is the ball in his hands. But what about if you go to Golden State, they got the number two pick. Let's say they choose Anthony Edwards. They're not going to put the ball in his hands. No, they're not mm-hmm. going to. We all know that they're not going to say, here's the ball. Do what you do. He's going to have to stand in the corner, come off screens, play off of people. So I like to make my prospects a little bit uncomfortable to see how they deal with uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we are throwing LaMelo ball at you. Uh, um, I, I definitely want to see, I would, I would basically put LaMelo ball through, through drills with the ball in his hands because I just, I like excitement and look, I'm we're in the boardroom. I'm saying, look guys, this kid here, is going to sell tickets for us. So mm-hmm. let's just let him put on a show in the workout. Like, I don't I don't need to X and O his workout because he's one of those players that he plays off feel. It's not, right. it's not a, 
a workout type of player who he is. He's just a intuition type player. He plays off improvision. And I would just allow him to just show us how skilled he is and make his workout really exciting and fun, to be honest. Now, I'm going to go off the board because I'm going to go down the draft, get there in the middle of somebody that most expected to be at the top about this time a year ago. You got Cole Anthony coming in. <laughs> yeah, definitely put him through a rigorous workout um, mm -hmm. because when you look at his college tape, I wasn't impressed with it. Um, uh, he came in with so much hype. He was tremendous in the EYBL. But – the college game looked like it wasn't meant for his style of play. Mm. Um, I, I just think there's some kids that just don't belong in college and Cole Anthony okay. fits under there. I don't think Cam Reddish was a college player either. So he fits under that with me, but there is some skepticism that I have because his college tape didn't fit his reputation. Right. So I would take him through an extensive workout to really see what he's made of. He wasn't really tested at North Carolina. He was a little bit of, I know I'm an NBA player, so I'm just going to be here for a minute. He kind of had that mentality. Like, watch his tape. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm here, but, man, like, hurry up so I can get to the NBA. Right. So I want to see what he really has inside his chest. So I would put him through an extensive workout. Okay, I'm going to give you the bigs together. Yeah. James Weissman and Yeka Nkongu coming in together. Oh, what together. You, together. Oh. What are you going to put them through? Oh, wow. So I got a funny story for y'all. So I had, a, I had a workout with the Golden State Warriors coming out in 2001. And at my workout was Tony Parker, Jamal Tinsley, Zach Randolph, and Eddie Curry. All right, Chicago's mm -hmm. own Eddie Curry, right? So I watched Zach Randolph and Eddie Curry lock horns with my own eyes, and they just went after it in the drills. I would do the same thing with Wiseman and Okongu. I would let them just lock horns and see who comes out. Mm -hmm. I'll be taking bets on the side with Craw, like, hey, hey, <laughs> hey Craw, I, I got 10 on Wiseman right here. <laughs> Man, I, I'm just going to go on and give it to you. I'll just give you the yeah. Go ahead and take it. Because I already know what that kid can do. So moving forward, man, how do you see the top three playing out? That's the big news. The top three, we know who they are. And then the Bulls sit at four. So how do you see that top three playing out? All right. If they don't trade the picks, if they just go with the, the traditional draft picks, I think Minnesota will take LaMelo Ball for, for economic reasons for economic reasons. Um, I think Golden State will go Wiseman because they need bigs. They're mm -hmm. thin at they thin at the bigs. They only have Looney mm -hmm. at the big. Yeah. They're very thin there. And I think Charlotte goes Anthony Edwards. So if they go draft picks, mm -hmm. that's how I see it. And those are the reasons. I just think Minnesota, if we're men if 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 we're the GM of Minnesota and we're sitting in the office, this is what I'm telling you three. We need to put butts in the seats. Mm -hmm. We need to sell jerseys. Mm -hmm. LaMelo Ball does that. So what does that leave? Uh, D'Angelo, you got to move him? 
I think you got to make it work. I mean, this is professional basketball. Like, uh, D'Angelo Russell is not a point guard, okay? He's a combo guy. He's a combo guard. So, I yeah. believe that if you, you could take D'Angelo off the ball and allow him to really utilize his jump shooting. When you look at the NBA, it's a lot like the NFL now where a lot of NFL teams are using two, two running backs instead of one workhorse. You look mm-hmm. at the NBA, having two ball handlers is not a bad thing. Yeah. I actually prefer yeah. I actually prefer to have two guys that can make decisions and initiate offense. So I actually like the LaMelo ball, D'Angelo Russell fit offensively. Now defensively, they may not be able to stop a parked car. But <laughs> but on the <laughs> offensive end, I just believe that they're gonna sell tickets, they're gonna be exciting. And yeah. on in the West in the Western Conference, look, guys, we're Minnesota. We got to sell tickets and jerseys. Mm-hmm. So they take it back to the days mm-hmm. where they had Freewell, KG, and Cassell, and they just want to outscore you. Yeah, we just gonna play. Let's just roll yeah. the balls out. We're we're Minnesota. Let's roll the balls out. Let's sell some Lamelo Ball jerseys and D'Angelo Russell headbands. Like you got to look at things from an e- economic standpoint, too, when you're trying to draft these players. It's not just, oh, Anthony Edwards is the guy, so he goes here. But I don't think Anthony Edwards has the economic impact that LaMelo Ball has. Right. So we're going to stay right there with LaMelo Ball because Brian Crawford, your guy Craw, a couple of episodes yeah. ago, a couple of ep- episodes ago, he said, look, Bulls, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Go get LaMelo Ball. And we put it, out there, it, man. put it out there on the A2S pod poll. 73% of Bulls fans agreed with BC. Go get LaMelo Ball at all costs. If you are the Chicago Bulls and the way their roster currently sits with AK and Mark Eversley just taking over in the front office, is that your mindset? Yeah, I'm with Craw. I, 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 I'm with him. Like, there's 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 not a lot there's not a lot of six foot seven point guards growing on trees they don't grow Mm -hmm. on trees yeah like six seven point guards come around what every 15 20 years so when they're when you're in striking range you gotta you gotta pull the trigger you gotta pull the trigger that's crazy so now who are you giving up bcc4 who are you giving up we said it's either gonna have to be laurie or wendell carter jr like who are you who are you giving up to go up to number one? Who are you offering to Minnesota? You asking me? Oh, yeah. Oh man, you could have whoever, anybody not named Zach Levine. I can't hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm with them. Like anybody on the I, I, anybody on the roster, and we'll get we'll throw in a free VIP parking pass for a year. <laughs> for real. C4, do you agree? Are you cool with that? Well, yeah, and I think Rashad hitting at probably the most important point uh, for them. It's just like you have a situation where there probably be no fans at all in the seats. Who's tuning in the Bulls games this upcoming year if you don't have anybody really to watch? Zach is cool to watch, but, you know, if, you know, something is coming on Netflix or something like that, I'm not tuning into the Bulls game at all. So I think having the guy who creates some excitement – Will help. So, I mean, if there's an opportunity up there and you're not giving up too much, you got to go get that guy, especially if you want him. Because they had him, they had their guy a couple years ago in Trey Young, but Trey Young, yeah, yeah, didn't want to trade up, didn't want to trade up to go get him. I mean, see what Trey 
the, the excitement trade has brought to Atlanta. So, yeah, I think this is one of those moves where we're going to see what this front office is about. One of the things we saw from you, Rashad, is how much you love Cam Reddish and how much you think he's going to be a star in the NBA. Yeah. I want to give you two questions. Because first, okay. I want to ask you who's the Cam Reddish in this draft class? Who is the guy that you think is going to be a star that people might be overlooking? And then secondly, mm -hmm. is Cam Reddish with the right team yeah. to become mm -hmm. that star? Yeah, great question. Um Yes, I really love Cam Reddish. I love what he brings to the table. I, I, I think to answer your second question first, I do think he's with the right team. Okay. When you look at when you look at the makeup of the NBA right now, the teams that have success are teams that have two hybrid small forwards. You look at the Boston Celtics uh, with Jalen mm -hmm. Brown and uh, Jason Tatum. <clears throat> Um, you look at uh, the, the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. Um, teams that win and have a better chance of winning have those two hybrid forwards. I believe Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter are that. Cam brings a flair to the game, but I not only that, he's a terrific defender. He doesn't get credit for how great of a defender he is. He led all rookies in steals this year, um, and I believe he's – destined to play off of a great point guard. Um, and Trey Young, obviously, I think Trey is going to dump down his scoring this year and he's going to pick up his assists. So I think Trey is going to average around 27 and around 11 to 12 assists this season because the improvement of Cam Reddish. So I, I, I just think that he's not going to be a superstar. There's a difference between a superstar and a star. I believe Cam Reddish can be a star playing alongside Trey Young. You got Trey Young, basically. You got Trey Young being I, I, tops, tops in the league in assists. Easily, I think he'll oh, lead wow. the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I, he was second this year behind yeah, yeah. LeBron, and as a rookie, he was third. And, yeah. And that's him playing with a college roster. Like the wait to wait till the teammates around him improve. Once his teammates improve. His scoring is going to go down maybe three points, but his assist is going to go up maybe two or three. So he'll be at like 27 and 11. All right. Before we let you get out of here, I want to ask you, who are your two or three sleepers in the NBA draft? Yeah. I know you got some. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grant Riller is probably my top sleeper okay. out of College of Charleston. I believe Grant Riller is the best offensive player in the draft. Wow. I think he's the best offensive player in the draft. So when you guys get off of the show today, go go watch Grant Riller's film. Just watch it. Crawl. You will love him. Go watch Grant Riller. Look at his style. He's super duper quick. He's a shot maker. Chris, you got you to gotta watch this kid. You got to yeah, watch him. Some tape on. Grant Riller, please type mm -hmm. it in. He's the best offensive player in this draft. Um. And obviously, I believe uh, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State may be the best pick and roll point guard in this draft. He's really good. Jalen Smith from Maryland is going to be fantastic. And Lamar Stevens from Penn State. So those are my four guys that I really have circled. So really go on, go on YouTube, whatever synergy, and watch Grant Riller 
Trust me, this mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not lying. He's really like that. Do you think God Obi Toppin? Obi's I I love Obi. Obi Obi reminds me of Kenyon Martin. He's okay. he's he's so ferocious. He's he's so powerful. He's so athletic. Um, he fits the mold of of like the Bam at a bios. Like he's in that mode. Obviously, he's not the defender that Bam is, but offensively, Obi's ready. Offensively, he's ready. Defensively, he's not. I think a lot of Bulls fans actually would like that pick at number four if they don't trade up. I'm okay with that pick. I'm okay with that pick. I'm I'm okay with that pick. So, like I said, before we let you go, we want you to settle an argument or discussion we had. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We I hate dis- being in the middle of these. Here we go. In pre-show, <laughs> pre-show prep on yesterday, we had a discussion about the athleticism Athleticism in the NBA is without a doubt much better than it was during the Jordan era. We can yeah. all agree on that. Yes. My yes. question to you as a trainer. Yeah. Is the NBA as skillful right now as it was during the Jordan era? No, it's more skillful in today's game. Okay. Because it's it's called evolution. It's evolution. And in, in, in 25 years, the players are gonna be more skilled than the players are today. It's 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 just evolution. Now you can take individual players like Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, like their their skill sets were futuristic, but as a whole, no. As a whole, the NBA wasn't as skilled 30 years ago than it is today. But Larry Bird was just as skilled as any player in the NBA today. Michael Jordan was as skilled as any NBA player today. Isaiah Thomas was as skilled as any point guard today. Like, you can handpick some guys, but as 450 players versus today's 450 players, no, it's not even close. So we're going to let you slide out of here. Without really, without, without really getting into that Z yeah, conversation. Right? Yeah, yeah, we'll do not, that at another time. We, we're not going to talk time. about Z. I, I'll just say this. You do realize, because I have to remind you, Vinny, <laughs> all the other Detroit dudes, hey, you know, Zeke, Zeke really belongs to us. You know that. Right? Yeah. Hey, man, that is Rashad Phillips, Sports Talk 2319. All around, dude, brother, and definitely a Detroit Hooper. We appreciate you joining the podcast, according to sources, and breaking the NBA draft and the prospects down with us. Hey, man, go follow him right now. RP3 Natural. That's RP3 Natural. Hey, blessings to you and your family, man. Have a great holiday season. We'll talk to you. I appreciate you guys. Talk soon. Absolutely. All right, man. That was I got Rashad Phillips. Right here on the podcast, according to sources, man, he gave. I, I'm definitely gonna go watch Rilla, that Rilla kid from College of Charles. Hey, I'm watching him now. He looked like uh Fred Van Please me. Really? He said he's the best yeah. offensive player in the draft. So man, he's tough man. Like just the, the clips I'm watching up now. He's super tough. Super, super tough. tough. So everybody out there watching, go watch that yeah. kid. That Rashad Phillips gave you the upground, I mean the uh, background on. Let's get into the Chicago Bulls, right? As you heard him say, if they stay at four, he's cool with Obi Toppin being the pick. 
We also put it out there yesterday on Facebook and Twitter. Who don't you want the Chicago Bulls to take? Who don't you want to see the Chicago Bulls take? And without question, yes. Denny, <laughs> Denny Abdia definitely came in first place. And yeah, then Paul, nobody, and nobody, nobody knows about him. Yeah, and then right behind him was nobody Obi Right behind him was Obi Toppin. Well, are you shocked that people are not really buying into the Obi Toppin? Uh, we didn't get a chance to see him during March Madness. That might have helped a lot of people. But, yeah, people don't really want to see the Bulls take Obi Toppin with the fourth pick. I mean, I think it's because, well, one, you know, you got Wendell already. You know, you got Laurie. Everybody's still kind of, you know, holding out hope that Laurie is going to be, you know, the star that they thought he was going to be maybe coming in as a rookie. Yeah. Um, Wendell stays hurt. So I think people are really giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I don't think they need another big. I don't think they really need a log jam right there at that position. You know, if I, I really think they need help on the wings. You know, you need somebody on the other side of Zach. I think yeah. you might need a real, you know, you might need a real point guard out there too. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not shocked that Obi Toppin isn't favored by a lot of Bulls fans. I mean, y'all know how I feel about him. I, I mean, I will pass on him in a minute. And like I said, I'll trade him to try to get Lamelo. But I mean, if the Bulls take him, I mean, I don't know. I, it, the jury would be out on him, I guess. But you know, like Chris said, you know, they won't be no, you know, they won't. I know some league ain't nothing like that. So you basically coming in, you working, you trying to get your minutes from the gate. You know what I'm saying? So you got to make an impact from day one. And so that that goes into a question with a lot of these guys. Are they pro ready? You know, college college basketball and NBA basketball are two different games. And yeah. that learning curve for a lot of guys is steep. It's very steep. So, you know, whereas you got a guy like LaMelo who's been playing pro for, what, the last, what, three years or something like that? It, you know, his transition will be a little bit easier than Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, like a lot of these guys. So you know, that's one of the things that you kind of got to think of because you got a, you already got a protracted season. You don't have a protracted um, training camp, um, you know. And like I said, once the ball tip, you, know, you got to get ready to play. And so that's what you're looking for with OB Topping. Can he come in and make an impact? The same thing with the Denny kid. You know, I know he's playing pro ball overseas, but not everybody comes in and makes splash like Luka Doncic or KP. And I think this guy is a little bit too bad to come in and just make an impact right away in Chicago. Um, Billy Donovan, like obviously, guy. you got a new coach. Yeah. Huh? He seems like a glue guy to me when I look at that. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a glue yeah. guy. But, but they need the Bulls need impact players. They need somebody who can come in and get it done, like, from the gate. And so, you know, you're not going to, you know, the fans have been – patient patiently impatient i'll say and so you know they can't you know if you're a front office coming in you know brand coach brand new staff brand new philosophy everything like that you can't miss you you you, right. you can't miss on this page right c4 for you what's the one guy you're looking at and you say man look don't take that guy at four based upon the buzz um. It would probably it would it would probably have to be um, like you know somebody's just at the at a position you really don't need. I think the Ob Toppin pick is a little bit redundant. I mean, high level athlete, but you know he plays the four. There's a lot of things you can do with him, but I mean that's not really like a need. 
for the Bulls. The need is like at that point guard position and like uh, BC said, is at that that other wing position because, you know, bring a guy like Otto Porter back in this year, like so I'm pretty sure he's going to pick up his player option. Um, could be trade bait um, later down the line in the season, but just with his injury history, like since he's been here, you don't know what you're going to get with him. You got another, um, you know, forward in Chandler Hutchinson who struggled with injuries, you know, first few years of his career. So you need either like a high level, like wing, or you need like a good facilitator in here. And like I said, the bulls really can't, we haven't really had that, um, like that high impact guy that put butts in seats since Derrick Rose, if we're being honest, and that's no disrespect to Jimmy Butler at all, but there's a, there's a different player to their games overall. So if the Bulls can trade up to get LaMelo, especially in a year where you may only have probably 5,000 fans in attendance or the way we're going, no fans at all, you need somebody to like, keep people's league pass, you know, on Chicago Bulls. Otherwise, then, you know, Bulls are just playing, playing ball again. Man, we got to have an honest discussion, right? Hey, man. Chief, that, go ahead. I'm going to Chief Lori Moe ain't playing. Then they ain't going to be no. I'm going to say Chief Lori Moe ain't playing. They ain't going to be no fans of the United Center. Oh, yeah, that's why I said the way things are going now. The way things are going, you're right. You're right. Let's have an honest discussion, man, because one of the new one of the things that hit the uh, news wire today with uh, trade rumors was Dallas being interested in Zach Levine. And when I first heard it, I was like, I guess I get it. You know, Zach next to Luca, I guess could work. But once again, that'll be one of those backcourts that defensively, uh, not the best, but you know, when you're trying to outscore and that's what you're trying to do. And I think Dallas having the number one uh, offense in the NBA, especially with offensive efficiency, it might be a good move. And let's be honest, if they make the move to go get LaMelo, what does that really say about what they think about Zach Levine? Because are they saying, okay, we're going to rebuild and revamp. We're going to give Melo the ball, let him run the show, let him be the star, let him be the ticket seller. Zach Levine is a great piece to move, number one, because his contract is very attractive. Only 18 mil per year for the production that you get scoring wise from Zach Levine. That's pretty good based upon today's economics in the NBA. So is there any way you think the Bulls are seriously considering moving Zach Levine amidst everything that's happening with the early start on December the 22nd, free agency starting on November 20th and the draft coming up next Wednesday? I mean, they would be stupid to move Zach. That'd be dumb. Because, like, who's going to score? Like, who's going who gonna to put the ball in the basket? You move Zach Levine. Kobe White. Who's the number one score? Kobe? Come on, man. <laughs> Kobe White, BC. What are you talking about? That's Come 20 on, a game right there. Listen. <laughs> 20 shot attempts. Points. That's 20 points right there. shot attempts. Laurie will give you 15 to 18. Wendell Carter will give you 14 to 15. There you go. Now you count uh, up the points. Yeah, ain't nobody trying to watch. I can't tell you. Man, that, well, you talking about you talking about fifteen and what forty-seven? You do something like that? Nah. Man. Then you just have to have the best bench in the NBA, dude. Mm-mm. I don't. Four, fifteen and fifty-seven. 
Nah, man, you back in the lottery. No, you remember. Know, you, I mean, there's no the excitement. There's no listen to do that. There's oh look. Well, how would they do it? I, that's what I'm saying. If they go up and get Lamelo, does it make more sense or does it make it easier? If they're if they do want to move on from Zach Levine, we don't know what AK and Mark Eversley are thinking when they looked at this roster. They might think we don't want to build around Zach Levine. That's not the direction we want to go. Zach or Lori. Zach yeah. or Lori. Yeah. So if they want to trade them, well, the big move would be let's go get Lamelo. Let's go get the guy that can sell tickets. Because we know we're going to take a step back because we are moving these pieces off the chessboard. Well, you got you to give LaMelo something to work with, first and foremost. Oh, like, you, get, like, you, like, you, can't, you can't have him out there by himself, and you really can't have him out there with Laurie or Wendell. You can't do that. Like, he has to have somebody that's going to take pressure off of him by being able to score and make the defense honor that person so LaMelo can do what he does. So, I mean, you don't, you don't just – I mean, I – I'm one of those people like you build around a good point guard, you build around a good center, right? So if you get if you get Lamelo, okay, he is just in a piece. But every point guard got to have something to work with, right? And if you if you take Zach Zach Levine out of that equation, you 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 know you putting you putting Lamelo at disadvantage, and you putting a lot of undue pressure on that kid because you understand like how Chicago fans is, you understand how the Chicago media is. You know what I'm saying? They gonna, they gonna be relentless on this kid. So you give them something great and you give people a reason to watch. And I don't think you do that by moving Zach Levine, even if you get Lamelo Ball. Okay, we give up the we give up the four and Laurie marketing and send it to Minnesota. We get Lamelo. If you have Lamelo, what they've said that they're looking forward to free agency in 2021, you have Otto Porter coming off the books. He'll probably get moved in a trade deadline. You know, because his salary would be coming off the books. That's a good trade right there to get him away, get him off the books. You set up for free agency in 2021. Even then, are you trying to hold on to Zach Levine if you're going after the big fish? I mean, that's a different situation. Completely different situation. I mean, I think if you, you know, if you're chasing somebody like, you know, Devin Booker, then you don't really need Zach Levine. You know, Devin Book is in the stats player, stats score, and we still got LaMelo. I watch LaMelo and Devin Booker all day, you know, just like I would watch, you know, I watch LaMelo and Zach all day. You know, the thing is, just like like I said, when you got a point guard, you need a point guard, you need one wing player, and you need a big. That's the only way it works to me. Like, I, you know, like, you know, everybody is not, you know, Chris Paul who can, you know, who can do a whole lot less. You know, I know LaMelo is 6'7", but I mean, you know, we still don't. We ain't seen this guy play a professional NBA game yet. So you, know, right. you gotta, you gotta make things a little bit easier for him. But I mean, you talking about, you talking about free agency chasing Devin Booker or you know whoever else is on that list? That's a different conversation. Zach becomes expendable at that point. Right now, he's not. I'm gonna throw this out before we even get the truth for trash. This is kind of a truth for trash. This is why I'm encouraged, right? And I think the Bulls end up getting. A really good player because if Minnesota doesn't take LaMelo Ball, if Minnesota doesn't take LaMelo Ball, I think LaMelo Ball gets past Golden State and I think he gets past Charlotte because I do. Michael, Michael Jordan never ceases to amaze me, especially if he's trying to go out there based upon 
the sources and the news has put out been put out there today, especially if he's really trying to go out there and make a deal to get Russell Westbrook into Charlotte, then LaMelo Ball just falls to the Bulls at four. But even if not, I still think he I still think he wants a big guy at three. I don't think he wants a, a point guard, especially, you know, the deal he just made to get your boy, one of your favorite point guards, BC from Boston. And then, you know, the way Devontae Graham played last year, I just don't see Charlotte going after a point guard. So if Minnesota doesn't take LaMelo, there's a great chance that he could be there at four for the Chicago Bulls. I still don't think he falls. I think it's just a lot of, you know, I think it's just a lot of talk, you know what I'm saying? But I think LaMelo Ball is too good to fall to four. You know, he's going to go on one of them top two, three picks. You know, and obviously, you know, Golden State will pass on him. Maybe they trade down. You know, who knows? They really don't need him. Like, that's a fact. But Minnesota needs him. Charlotte definitely needs him. Um, you know, I, I like Devontae Graham a lot. I don't know if he's a starting point guard. I don't like Terry Rozier at all. You know what I'm saying? So, I think, you know, you can get rid of those two guys. I just don't see LaMelo falling before. And, you know, in, in no scenario, no circumstance, I just don't see him falling before. I think got to make a move to go get him all right guys who's the guy that you love in this draft B, I mean c4 you and i might say the same guy but who's the guy that no one's talking about that you absolutely love in this draft you asking me yeah um i'm not really in like like love with uh any of these picks or any of these prospects uh, if I'm just looking, I love like guys, some uh, guys individually, but a lot of it's just going to be dependent on the situation that they're drafted into. Like I said, for a lot of these guys, we're kind of basing it on that they're going to come in and have immediate impact. Keep in mind, like while a lot of these teams haven't played in about 274 days, True. same thing for these guys. Yeah. Most of these prospects, like college season ended early. So these guys really haven't had any – a lot of them are playing in open runs now, but that's definitely not the same as, you know, NBA competition. So, right. you know, kind of be like at a at a weird point in time when the season starts, I think. But every player will be with, like, soft tissue injuries and things like that. Um, I like Wiseman a lot um, just because, you know, left-handed big, athletic – run the floor real well. He's going to get a lot. I think he can get a lot of easy baskets at, at the next level just by simply running the floor. Uh, looks like he has the capability to uh, jump out and actually defend on the wings, which is going to be important, like in pick and roll coverages. So he's like the one guy who I feel is kind of still falling under the radar, even though he's in that top three in there. We're just not talking about him enough. My guy is, BC, before you talk, my guy is Tyrese Maxey, man. Uh, I fell in love with him the first game when he was here for the preseason tournament, and they played Michigan State. Michigan State was number one, and I think he dropped 40 that game. Just – I wouldn't call him a, a pure shooter, but he's a scorer. He comes from Kentucky, so I know he competes. Uh, long arms. I think he's about 6'3". He might actually be more closer to 6'2". But I just think the kid can come into the league. I think he's NBA ready. I know he can score. He's also uh, – he plays the passing lanes very well. I don't know if he's a, a great on-ball defender, 
but I know he's going to compete and I know he can translate well to the NBA. And we've seen that lately, man. I, I watched Tyler Hero at Kentucky and I liked him. But it seems like once he got to the NBA, his game blossomed even more. I had an offline conversation with the both of you guys, and we were discussing why Kentucky guys seem to may be able to make that transition better than anybody else. And we made the comparison to Coach uh, K at Duke and why it seems like some of his players struggle, which might be interesting to watch because you have a kid like Cassius Stanley that's coming out early and it, he's projected to go in the second round. So yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how he, he progresses in his NBA career. But why is it? What, what's the difference between Duke and Kentucky when it comes to that being able to produce NBA players, C4? Uh, I told you, I think Cal just embraced that one and done more so than when any other college coach, when most college coaches had that reluctance on, uh, I'm not going to really spend much time recruiting that kid because I'm only going to have him for a year. Yeah. I think Cal embraced that because Cal's like, cool, you want to get paid? You want to get to the league? Hey, I got you. Come here. I'm going to put you. This is what's going to be expected of you while you're here. Like, and I'm basically going to prepare you as best as I can, you know, for the next level. And I think it took a a while for a lot of other coaches at some of those big time programs to actually like just catch up with it. And I mean, you look at some of the guys that he's recruited and some of the guys that he recruited from, I mean, just, I mean, even going back to Memphis, you know, to, you know, come to Chicago for Derek Rose, go to Detroit for Chris Douglas Roberts. I mean, I mean, this guy was going to places that I don't think a lot of other coaches would at the time. So it's no surprise that most of the athletes that, you know, have come through like the Kentucky program and even going back to Memphis has had a little bit more success. I think he's just, he basically like took the onus on basically being an embracer of that one and done and recruiting those guys who really only expected to they're only going to school just to get to the next level at bc you had a very very interesting view point of view on this topic when you talked about man look it seems like coach k almost ruins guys on their path to the nba uh, and and what he is interested in versus what cal is interested in when it comes to these kids and their legacies well, you know, like we were talking about, I mean, you were talking about yesterday, I think Cal gets it. You know, Cal is recruiting kids who basically trying to get paid and take care of their family. You know what? And, you know, and, and, and like Chris said, he embraced the one and done thing before a lot of other coaches did because Cal saw where it was going. You know, guys are only going to college because they have to. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not, they're not they're not going to college because they want to play college basketball. They're going to college because that's the rule. If they had no college, a lot of these kids would jump. And so I think Cal, when you watch Kentucky play, and even like if you watch them work out and train, they go through pro style workouts. They run basically kind of like a pro style offense. So when those guys yeah. get to the league, they're ready to hoop. You know, they're ready to play professional basketball. Whereas Coach K is recruiting guys to help Duke win. Coach K is recruiting guys to help his legacy. Coach K is trying to get to the Final Four, get to the National Championship. So no matter what you did in high school, when you get to Duke, you're not going to do that no more. You're going to play basketball the way Coach K wants you to play basketball because Coach K is concerned about Coach K 
he concerned about Duke. And so that's why when guys come out of Duke and they get to the pros, you know, for Duke to be such an elite high-level program, they had, had a lot of great professional basketball players. And, uh, and a big part of that is because Coach K doesn't really care about that. Coach K wants you to play college basketball. And then, like, I, you know, we all remember, like, how mad he got at Corey McGetty when Corey McGetty left early. You know what I'm saying? It was like he was almost, like, offended that that happened. But, you know, Corey McGetty was ahead of the curve on, like, yo, I'm, I'm coming here to try to get paid. You know, boost my draft stock and get out of here so I can make this bread. And to me, that's why I think Cal is a much better coach than, um, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, simply because – Cal understands, like, yo, this is not the end-all, be-all. These kids don't even want to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, they like, they don't want to be in college. They don't want to go to class. They don't want to do none of this stuff. Like, these kids, are, this is a stepping stone for them. And, you know, Coach K, he wants you to be all in, you know, uh, uh, Wojo slapping the flow. Like, he, that's the kind of player that he wants. You know what I'm saying? And these guys are not like that. And so – that that's why I am not a big Duke fan. That's why I've never been a big Duke fan because I kind of saw what it was, you know. And like you know, like I was telling you yesterday, Sean, I'm like, you can't tell me when Sean Dockery was in high school, he wasn't on track to become a pro. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. when uh, Jabari went to Duke, you know, when Jabari was at Simeon, you can't tell me he wasn't on track to be the next NBA superstar. Same thing with Jaleel, and they all get to Duke, and the games all change, and they get to the pros. It's like. It's like a shock. It's like dropping them in cold water. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to figure it out. And so Kentucky, to me, is a, is, a, is is basically almost like a semi-pro team. You know what I'm saying? Because he had – Coach K I'm, – I'm sorry, Cal has not only sent a lot of guys to the league, but damn it, all of them guys he sent to the league is hooping right now. Every single one of them. Blesso, John Wall, Derrick Rose, uh, Boogie Cousins, Tyler Hero, Devin Booker. Like you can name them, like you can run down the list, and so that to me is why I think a big part of the problem is I think college needs to change their rules to mimic the NBA. I think I don't think college should be in its own little separate little bubble like that. You know what I'm saying? Because like Rashad was saying um, when he was talking about Cole Anthony, some guys are just pros. And right. This is it. They just pros, you know what I'm saying? And so when they get to colleges, you know, they have to relearn and then they get to the league, they got to relearn again. And it's just it's just a very inefficient way to do things. So I'm always gonna be a cow guy. You know, I remember when he came to Chicago to watch uh Derrick Rose and John Wall got it go at it. And he stopped in the back and he talked to us and he talked about those two guys and he talked about going into Derrick Rose's living room and, and going to North Carolina, going to Raleigh and going to talk to John Wall. Go, you know, going into the hood. Like, that's a, that's the kind of stuff that you want to see. That though, That's the kind of coach you want to play for. A guy that's going to get you ready for the league because he understands that's where you're trying to go. You got to respect that. All right, let's get a little truth or trash before we get out of here, man. Let's start right here. CP3, rumored to be going and involved in a lot of trades, leaving Oklahoma City. The one that stuck out to me the most and is most interesting it's him possibly going to the Valley of the Sun to be teamed with Devin Booker. True for trash. If CP3 goes to the Phoenix Suns, they will make the playoffs. Mm, probably some truth to that. Um, the thing about Chris Paul is, though, 35 years old, always hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just it. He's 35 years old and he's always hurt. Is he good enough to get your team to the playoffs? Absolutely. 
because he would definitely be an upgrade over Ricky Rubio. Um, he would make Devin Booker's life so much easier. He would make DeAndre Aiden's life so much easier. Um, and if they could keep Kelly Oubre on that team, you know, that might be a problem. But, you know, the question is not do they make the playoffs, is where do they get? You know, are they they probably not top four. They probably, you know, bottom four. But is it, you know, five, six, seven, eight? You know what I'm saying? So I think Chris Paul makes any team better just because he's that good. So, yeah, I think that's the truth to that. If he goes to fame, they definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, I say definitely a playoff team. They do fall in that mid-pack to me, that right around in that four, five, six, sixes area. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like BC said, I think he makes Devin – like Devin would love playing for him because it would be the first time where he didn't feel like he had to do everything every single time on the offensive end. And he'll get easy shots, something that I don't think he's had, you know, throughout his career so far. The crazy thing with Devin Booker is that kid is only, I think, 23, 24. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. But I think he just turned 23. Yep. It's just crazy. But, yeah, you know, he'll be – they well coached, so they'll definitely be a playoff team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. All right, true for trash. Not moving Giannis Antetokounmpo right now or before the end of the year is going to be a huge mistake by the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, I think that's true. Because if they don't try to move them, they're gonna lose them and they ain't gonna get nothing. You know, and it's a it's a it's a terrible situation for Milwaukee, but those are the kind of things that happen when you're not a free agent destination. You got to draft and you got to trade. Like this is it, you know. And then you know, a guy like Giannis, you know, he's he's tasted success. You're talking about two-time MVP, um, made the playoffs, got bounced, you know, each time. But you know, they was always stamping them. You know, this is a final. This with Giannis there, but you know, they're a potential Finals team. Um, it sucks if you're Milwaukee because you can't really hold anybody. Like, it's not an attractive city to play in. It's colder than Chicago in the winter. Um, very small. Like, you know, you can have a new arena. You can have new practice facilities. You can have all the state-of-the-art stuff. You're still Milwaukee, period, point blank. It's still Milwaukee. So, so I think they will need to do something to kind of shore up that loss. But I don't think they can gamble in free agency and think that he's going to resign with them. I think that would be a, a, a foolish mindset to have. I think I think it's um, trash, and only because I think this is going to be like a obviously a very pivotal off season for them, even though an abbreviated one. I think they, out of any team we talk about making moves, they have to show some aggressiveness. They have to go out there and get you know a Drew Holiday. They have to go out there and bring a Victor Oladipo in. You want to show this dude that, hey, we're willing to do whatever it takes to keep us competitive. I mean, think about it. Even with how predictable the offense gets, like when they go into the second round series, how teams play them, like they're still like one of the best teams like in the NBA record wise. So a lot of it is going to fall down to just how aggressive they are in showing that guy that, hey, this we're doing everything we can to keep improving. And then a lot of it falls on uh, Coach Bud. Like, it's time to diversify this offense. It, it works great throughout the regular season. But, I mean, we gotta, when you got a guy and I know what you're going to do the last six minutes of the game and I know this guy, like, jump shooting isn't like his forte, you become – 
stagnated, you become predictable. And then you got the rest of the guys, they're not used to doing anything like with the ball in their hands because they're essentially waiting for Giannis to kick it out to him. The crazy part is like, watch how, just watching how Chris Middleton plays when Giannis is off the floor. It's a completely different player. Like this is a guy who likes pulling up off the dribble, but I mean, that's everything what their offense has been predicated to do. So I think it's just trash just because of that, that reason alone. I think they have to be like aggressive this off season or during the season to bring a guy over there. Yeah, man, it's a tough situation. Both of you guys make good points. I just look at it. If I'm in walking ownership, I'm thinking, like, I might never get this opportunity to be this close to an NBA championship for another 20 years. So I just have to ride it out. Like, because if I win it. you're not even close to it. In my mindset. But I'm saying in my mindset, I'm thinking, look, in a regular, a normal season, I still think we are the best team in the East which leads to my last truth of trash. In a normal season, I believe we're the best team in the East in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Now, the playoffs, that's a whole nother. And what can they do in the offseason to make it easier on Giannis or to get him help and get Chris Middleton help going into the playoffs? Do they think they have enough there or they can get enough there to go ahead and take that Man. risk? Because if you say, man, l- losing Giannis versus winning a championship, the chances of winning a championship and making it to the NBA Finals, if I'm an NBA owner in a small market, I might take that chance. I might just say, you know what? I'll risk being a bottom feeder for four or five years to get a well, shot at the NBA title. I well, might take I mean, I mean, I think you're talking about in a in, in a normal year. So we talking about a normal year. So in a normal year, you gotta look over there at Brooklyn. You gotta look at Kyrie and KD. So true for trash. You know that's saying? the last one. Are they the best team in the East right now, currently constructed? I don't think so. Okay. I think See, they got yeah. the two best players. Okay. Now, does is that more important when you go into playoff basketball than the regular season? I mean, shit, man. You got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know what I'm saying? Like both of them have won NBA championships. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty big. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that's pretty big. So, you know, and you know, and with those guys healthy, they're gonna be a problem. So, I mean, you you talking about a healthy Brooklyn team with two of the best players in the league versus Milwaukee, who arguably has the best player in the league. And then literally like nothing else. Like I'm not a big Chris Milton fan. Like, I think he can play, but I'm not sold on him. Not so on Eric Bledsoe either. You know, he is he is what he is. And so can you beat those guys? If you if you Milwaukee and you looking over there, brother, and you looking down there at Miami, you know, you can look over there at Philly. Um, you know, you got you gotta ask yourself some serious questions. So I agree with C four, like, yo, you got we gotta be aggressive. We gotta do something that's gonna give us an edge and an advantage because Giannis coming down the court, spin move, dunking in the lane, that's not going to work. That's super predictable. There ain't nothing you could do. I mean, you can stop that very easily, especially in the playoffs with everybody making adjustments. So, yeah, man, like in a, in a normal year, I think it gets harder for Milwaukee, not easier. C4, Brooklyn, the best team in the East? No. Um, just And that's only just because 
like you got two guys basically coming off of like season and then injuries. KD's a little bit more serious than Kyrie's uh, shoulder, but nonetheless, like you got two guys who, you know, they have a rapport with one another, but those other guys, I'm just trying to see how does a Spencer Dinwiddie like handle like only getting six shots? How does a Karis Levert, how does he only handle getting seven shots when he's damn near a 20 point per game score? How do they like not alienate guys that are on that roster? Because those two seem like they're like this, but you had the other guys who are still there from that culture that was built up to Brook uh, in Brooklyn. Like you don't want to alienate those guys because there is some talent right there and how they gel, what type of offense they run is going to be very important. Cause like, I don't know. I'm, I just look at that situation. If KD's cooking, does Kyrie really defer or does Kyrie look at the guy in front of him with the same mindset? He always does like that guy can't guard me. That's going to be interesting to see. And just how do you keep those other guys involved? Cause like I said, we look at Karis Levert, that's a 20 point per game score. Like without those two guys and now with those guys, you're being asked to like, hey, you know, stand out over here, be ready to catch and shoot. You're not really going to have that much stuff off the dribble. So that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting as well because Karis LeVert, his confidence has to be sky high coming off the bubble. Yep. Because what he was doing in the bubble was very impressive to see him come back from his serious injury and to progress as a player and get to the point to where he put on that performance in the bubble. I definitely want to see how they integrate him into the offense. And rumors have been out there, possibly him getting moved to get James Harden to Brooklyn, which is crazy if they would actually make that's this move. That would definitely that's kill it. That's crazy. That would not work at all. No, I totally at agree. That I would totally. work at all. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the crazy it's thing. Yeah, the crazy thing about the Rockets situation is uh, we didn't touch on it, but I think where they fell short is they placated to and take nothing away from James Harden, one of the best players in the game. He's going to go down as a historically great offensive player, but I think they it seemed like it became less about winning championships and it became more about we got to make sure James is in the MVP conversation. It became more like individually focused mm-hmm. toward James. Cause if you look, he's the franchise, no doubt. But when you look at the last few situations, you had Dwight, you had Chris Paul, now you had Russ and it just not, it doesn't work out because they just, you, you're bringing in guys who like, you get tired of sitting there watching a guy dribble, 18 seconds off the clock and then you catch a coin. You got, you got to knock down this three once he drives to the line or you got to. Yeah. So I kind of could have called the Russ uh, situation. I don't think it says like they made it to seem like he doesn't want to play with James Harden. He just doesn't like being off the ball. He's not a shooter. Probably he's never going to be a shooter. So I want to go play the style I'm used to. He's been in the league, what, 10, 11 years. And now you're being asked to like, space the floor or defer yeah. so that's a little bit tough so but yeah and to all the bulls i'm fans, tired i'm tired of calm I'm down tired of watching james harden. you're tired of no, watching I'm, say, I'm tired of watching james harden you know in the big games in the playoffs not show up i'm sick of that i'm just yeah. so tired of that i don't care what he do in the regular season at all it don't even matter anymore when you get down to them games 
Yeah, but even he we don't go show up, bro. He don't. I don't even know if it's a showing up thing. We just talked about the Mo. I think Milwaukee's a very good comparison with them because this stuff works during the regular season. But when you get down to the playoffs, and I can literally game plan for you, and I think about if you're like a guy not guarding James Harden at all, the other four guys could rest because my man's not moving from the corner. My man's mm-hmm. moving off this spot in the wing. I may have to worry about a little pick and roll, but not when it get not when it gets down to like the last five or six minutes, you become predictable. So it's the same thing with Milwaukee. If I've seen you do this. All throughout, you're just going to continue. You're not going to make any changes. You're not going to make any adjustments. You're just going to play this way. Oh, okay, cool. Well, the dumbest thing they did in Houston was get rid of Capella. That was stupid. Yeah, absolutely. They did that for us. Right. Right. That was dumb. Well, they had to, like you said, they had to open the floor. They were going to ask Russ to play off the ball. Mm -hmm. They had to. And now Capella becomes an asset for Trey Young. Yep. Exactly. But you know, Trey struggles off defensively. Now you have Capella back there to protect the rim, and you don't have to ask John Collins to do that. You can slide John Collins to the floor because he, he's yeah. more versatile. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want to go small against uh, and go more up tempo, you have that option and put John Collins at the five, but that's an option. It's not a demand, it's not something right. you have to do, it's just mm-hmm. an option you have on your plate. So now that just makes them more versatile, especially as uh, Rashad was talking about as DeAndre and Cam Reddish continue to progress and get better. And don't forget Herder down there. Yeah. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I know last year we he might, laughed. He might get traded. Yeah, he might get traded. But we laughed about that roster and whether or not it was better than the Bulls roster. But I think right now you have to give the nod to Atlanta. I mean, they got a bona fide all star. So, yeah, I mean, you got some first round, you got some first round draft picks. So, yeah, if you're just basing it on that, then yeah, who's who would you say is closer to you know the playoffs right now, presently constructed? Who's closer to the playoff berth? Do you know what? it, It depends, man. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go based upon what Rashad said. The step that Trey is going to take is take a step back points per game and increase his assists to make everybody else better. I'm going to go ahead and rock with Atlanta on that yep. question. Just off of that. Because the Bulls, the Bulls just don't have that guy that can make every now. If the Bulls get LaMelo ball and keep everybody else, then I might yeah, take We're talking about something. The podcast, according to sources, as we get ready to get out of here, is always flavor in your ear. I'll jump it off. I'm not going to talk about something I've been listening to. I'm going to tell you something that I'm very heartbroken over. Uh, I think Chicago, and I'll go back to my college days. It was very, uh, very cool for me to hear a sound coming out of Chicago when I was down in Champaign. And actually driving up here on the weekend to go to the record store to pick up Can I Borrow a Dollar? Guy was cutting my hair and I'm listening. I'm like, yo, I'm listening to Soul by the Pound. And I'm like, man, who was that? I was like, man, that's common sense. Like, what? Like, yeah, he's from the shy. 
work. So immediately, man, I get in the car, I drive home for the weekend. I go to the record store that I always went to to get early releases out there in Dalton. I get it, I go back to campus and I can just remember just riding around, just beating it on campus and just feeling like, yo, a dude from the shy has made it. And he hadn't really made it, but that was just the feeling you had. Right. And so my, my heart goes out to, man, my two young nephews and watching them go through uh, various emotions over the past week with the passing of King Von down in Atlanta. Uh, that's kind of been a flavor in my ear. Uh, the I was I, I I wouldn't say I was late to King Von because my nephews told me about him. I saw his Breakfast Club interview when he went up there with Dirk. He had just got out of jail and Dirk was just putting him on, and he was just getting ready to drop his first mixtape. But uh, two of his last singles really grabbed me, especially the videos, especially the one where he was rapping about uh, just pulling off a robbery and getting chased through uh the uh the projects over there on 64th man it's just a sad situation man videos come out you see king von was actually the one that kind of started and escalated the situation by getting out of the car and walking up to quando rondo and unfortunately that situation led to his untimely demise so i wish that uh you know what, man? I'm really tired of, of telling these young people out here, man, to do better and is there's better out there for them. And uh, I'm just going to take it more upon myself to try and go into these communities and uh, do more work. And if I can reach one, that's a life I've touched, man, because I, my heart just goes out to not to the fact that he got killed, but just seeing our young people in this mindset. So whereas they have a gift and a talent and they feel like they still have to deal in that world because that's their life. And they feel like that's the way they have to approach life situations. And, uh, you know, I had this conversation with BC. I had this conversation uh, with him and uh, J.R. Bang during the week. And I'm not saying this dude was the greatest rapper to come out of Chicago, that he was going to be one of the dopest lyricists, but the kid has something special. He had, I don't know what it was, but it's like when you watch him, you look at him, you say to yourself, I see why these young cats rock with him. And, you know, maybe my definition of blow is not saying he's going to be like the next Drake or something like that, but I truly believe that this kid was on the verge of blowing up. Absolutely. Outside of Chicago. And how big that is, I don't know. We'll never know. But I definitely know Chicago missed an opportunity to have that same feeling when Common hit and then went on to put out that Resurrection album with I Used to Love her, and that really stamped that Chicago was a true hip-hop town, man. So, man, we lost Juice World, but, you know, we jokingly, Juice World was from Flossmore, Illinois. So Chicago really can't claim him, but he was from the area. But King Von was somebody... Uh, Especially riding the wave of Dirk because Dirk and his features for the last year, he's been killing his features, doing his ad libs on various projects and various songs. You know, you go to the joint he did with uh, Nas on his project. Dirk killed that, man. And, you know, and Nas was talking about the violence in Chicago in the midst of that song. So 
uh, just riding that wave of Dirk and how he was building his career and was just getting to the point that he was getting to. And uh, Dirk was getting to the point of just being a businessman and really leaving the streets alone. And my prayer is that this doesn't draw him back in, you know, because I know vengeance is heavy, heavy on his heart right now. He probably wants some get back for his guy. Old Block probably wants some get back, man. And my prayer is, man, hopefully, man, something good can come of this. But uh, I think it's going to be a long spring and summer once it once it warms up here in Chicago. Man, you know, I can't I can't sit up here and say I was even familiar with the kid. Like I didn't even know who he was. Um, but you know, I just think, you know, obviously, you know, we just lost Kane Vaughn. You know, you mentioned Juice World, forgot about FBG Duck. Um, I you know, I just I the thing that's crazy to me, man, is like I seen a tweet the other day of like it's so many rappers dying. Like yeah. it doesn't even make any sense, man. Like you just had to you just had the guy. I don't even know if he was really a rapper. He was trying to sing, but he was now down in uh down with Boosie, the yeah. guy uh Mo three yeah. down in Dallas, man. Um and it's crazy because he had did a video where he had got shot and killed. He's laying on the corner table. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just when we was coming up, the only rappers that died was Biggie and Pop. That was it. You know, and now no, you know no. all right. Yeah, you know, I got a 21-year-old son and a 15-year-old son. And it's like all of their rappers and all of the music that they listen to, these guys are just dying, just left and right, getting killed, overdosing or whatever like that. And to me, it's just it's just crazy, man. And and, and so, you know, Sean, I, I mean, I know obviously, you know, you, your background as a, pa- as a pastor, but, you know, like they say, man, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And these guys really got to stop. These guys really got to stop promoting this lifestyle of shooting and killing, and, you know, and, and and it's not, one, it's not cool. Secondly, mm-hmm. it's not even the life that they really live. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, it's not, they not even really living them lives, you know, nine times out of 10. Like I was telling you, like, you know, these are the, these are the kids or the girls and dudes that was having babies back when we was in high school. You know what I'm saying? And so, yep. I yep. know that their parents made sure that they was in better situations than we was when we were shorties, you know? So, I mean, now that don't, that don't go across the board, like, you know, to say that they wasn't in the streets or nothing like that. But when you're in a situation like um, King Vaughn, you got three little babies, man. It look like they're about 18 months apart. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, like yeah. you got to start thinking further than just what's going on in front of you in that particular moment. And so, you know, I think these guys really need to change up their content and their subject matter. Um, not a lot, but at the same time, like, don't speak about them things on yourself. Like, you know, Vaughn had a Vaughn had that one song where he somebody he was in the car, somebody rolled up, they shot him or whatever. Um, you can't you can't do them things, man, because the times we living in now, you can be on the wrong side of karma real quick, super yeah. quick. Like everything you speak, it come back on you just like that. So and you it's know, not these guys like, really need some BC man mm-hmm. back in the day. We literally would go to a fight to squab with somebody with like supreme confidence that we weren't getting shot. Exactly. Like, yo, we just squabbing. Whoever wins, wins. That's it. We might even play football, basketball, park the next day. Like, real talk. Right. 
that's yo when he hopped out his car and went to confront Quando Rondo, dude. That the gun was a possibility, a very clear possibility. I mean, you always and got the other thing that gets lost in that story, man. It was it was two other people that got killed that night. It wasn't just him. It wasn't just him. Yep. I think it was just one, just one other person. Uh, the third one. I don't think he passed. I think they had got it wrong initially. Oh. Yeah, but even going back to that. But uh, two people got killed. Six yeah. Were shot. Yeah. Yeah, but even going back to that, it's, you know, when you have a talent like that, and that's the guy who, you know, I, I just saw the, I didn't see the video of him getting shot, but I saw the video of, you know, the punch. And I'm looking and I was like, all right, there's about 15 guys around him. I was like, out of those 15, nobody was just like, hey, let's go somewhere else. Right. Let's, we don't need to do this. So like, dude, you, you're worth way more to us than whatever this. Because nine times out of 10, these like disputes are social media driven and they're over nothing at the end of the day. If all these guys got down to the crux of, their issues and guys could have face-to-face conversations. You realize what are we beefing over? What is, is this over a female? Is this over like, what is nothing serious unless like there is bloodshed, then it becomes personal. So I just wish we had like a lot of these younger guys. I wish there were more OGs, like even from the rap game, pull them to the side. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it's like, bro, I, I see how you moving out here. Like I, I was coming from the same, came from the same background. This is how you have to move now to not only set yourself up, but, you know, further set your family up. I think T.I. caught like a lot of slack for something he tweeted. And it was like, T.I., like out of somebody saying, you know, keep handle your business in your city. This is a guy who went to Vegas to confront Floyd Mayweather. Right. Like, because it's his wife. It's like, right. oh, like, in the car. Yeah, it's just like, dude, if, if like coming from your background instead of like casting these guys away or talking down on them realize that they're coming from the same places you came from like pull them to the side try and get in touch with them like that's that's what needs to happen like all of these ogs in the rap game pull these young boys to the side man like hey like i know this is what your content is about yeah kind of see you still got one foot over in this yourself up and not to have this be, you know, what your destination is. This is how you got to move. Yeah, man. Look, and he kind of spoke it not only in his songs, but the last interview he did, uh, he said, yo, you either die, you get locked up, or you just get real lucky to live. He said, those are the three options. And unfortunately, you know, and I, I slightly disagree with you, BC, man, because I know you haven't been here like in the last here in Chicago in like the last year, like being somebody that works in the Rosen community and the Pullman community and understanding what's really going on over there on Old Block, dude, 64th, right off Cottage, going all the way up to the uh, Dan Ryan. It's real right now, bro. Like the stuff oh, that it's always been real, but that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like this didn't this didn't happen in Chicago. It happened in Atlanta. Right, you right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, so. But I'm just you, saying that's their life. You, so you are completely away from that element. Yeah. I think that's no, why. I mean, I mean, I agree with you. Like, listen, man. I'm, huh? 
No, I'm saying that's why Dirk pulled him down to Atlanta to get him away from to, all to that. stay away from all of that. So that's right. what I'm saying. It's like you know, I understand like your mentality and your mindset, but that's like Chris said. Like, man, you need some OGs around. Like, listen, man, if 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 Wack 100 was out there, that wouldn't have happened. You know what I'm saying? Wack would have made sure you know Vaughn got in the car. Like, whatever's going on, like you can't be involved in this. But when you right. got everybody around you that's your age and younger. Things like this is gonna happen, you know what I'm saying? So you got, you know, I understand, like, you know, I understand, like, it's real. It's always been real in Chicago. But when you're in a situation where you making money like that, and like, you look at Derek is a perfect example. When you get in a situation where you making money like that, the people around you, even if they hang hangers on, they care enough about you to make sure that you don't get into those situations like that. And them yeah. the people that you gotta have around you at all times because. You got to have somebody out there with a lot better judgment than everybody else that's in that situation. Like, it's got to be somebody that's higher, you know what I'm saying, that can look at this and, like, yo, this can go left super easy. So, now nah, we're not getting involved in that. But like I said, and everybody around you is the same age, and, you know, everybody is, you know, drinking and high and everything like that. You know, rational, rational thinking goes out of the window. And I just, you know, I just really wish these guys who put themselves in the situation just stop pull back and just think of all of the things that can go wrong as opposed to how you feeling in, in that particular moment. That's just it. I mean, dude, you, you talked about Derek and my mind goes back to even before Derek, I can remember the story with Eddie Curry getting robbed on Roosevelt road. Uh, I think Twan had an incident on Roosevelt road. Mm -hmm. I can remember Eddie Curry uh, being at home, him and his wife being gagged and robbed at his crib. Uh, it was the same dudes that robbed uh, Twan. Twan. And he then, had a, he look, had a home invasion. Same situation. Same situation. And then Derek had to change his address multiple times, you know, because he thought he was being followed and some other things that happened. People don't understand, like, the pressure just being here and the Chicago kid being on the Bulls and being the MVP. That was a lot of stuff off the court going on that people aren't or weren't aware about. That was some real life stuff. But you know the difference, saying? but the difference in Derrick Rose versus Twan and versus Eddie Curry, you never saw Derrick Rose out nowhere. You nope. never he wasn't trying to be seen. He wasn't trying to be where it was a lot of people at. He wasn't, he just wasn't like that. And so you know, you almost, you know, when you get in situations, you almost got to become a hermit. You got to become a recluse. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, can't, you can't move how you used to move. And I think that's what a lot of these cats that's in these situations and the limelight don't understand. Like, yo, you can't be outside with everybody outside. You can't be in no club, you know, standing outside in the parking lot of a club around a group of people. You can't be here. Period, nope. point blank. You can't be here. And, and you know, and, and I think that's what get missed. And that's how you end up with situations like this. And dude, Larry and Jeff, you know, we have people in the comments talking about Larry and Jeff, the OGs are in jail. Man, these young cats don't care nothing about Larry and Jeff. They just don't. They don't, they, don't they, they, they don't even know who they are. They don't even know who they are. <laughs> no. They don't have that respect, you know? I mean, if they were, because I don't want to misspeak, but, you know, BC, you're from the nation. You know what I'm saying? You just can't walk around saying you're from the nation. Without being able to spit the lit, right? Exactly. If somebody's gonna check you, 
and you just got kids walking around, man. I don't even know. They just want to be about the life. I don't even really know if they know the lit. Man, I grew up in GD neighborhoods, man. We had to know the lit. You know, like you had to know it. You had so to. They, they, they'll pull it on you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Check you up. Right. But now it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't no rules no more. It's just, it's just gang banging by association. Like whatever neighborhood you grew up in, whatever gang is over there, that's what you are. Period. Point blank. They Absolutely. probably don't even, they probably don't even, they probably ain't had no lit in about 30 years, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just what it is. Hey, man, that's the podcast according to sources. We hope each and every one of you have enjoyed our draft preview. Special thanks to Rashad Phillips, Sport Talk 2319. Go follow him at RP3Natural for joining us and giving us the breakdown. Thanks for everybody that gave us lo- a lot of comments, man, a lot of comments for this draft preview. We'll post it and pin it out there to our uh, Twitter profiles to make sure that it's readily available to you. You can go to A2SPod1 right now on Twitter and Instagram, and it'll be right there for you as well. Uh, For the best wings in podcast land, I am Sean SD2 Mikes, my guy Brian Crawford at B underscore Crawford D, and Chris Casey at C4 Dunk. C4, you got anything in the works? I always ask you that before we go. A lot of stuff coming soon. A lot of stuff coming soon. I know one thing when you're working on, hopefully we can see the fruition of that real soon. Hey, man, if I don't talk to you guys before the start of the NBA season, maybe we'll do something after trade season and free agency. And to everybody out there, have a wonderful, blessed holiday season, especially happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your families, man. And uh, that's it. Put your damn mask on, man. <laughs> yes, definitely. Hey, look, wear your mask so Lori doesn't shut us down. Hey, hey, it's already in effect, man. You already said starting hey, on. Man, the- hey, this is- starting Monday. She shutting everything down. She ain't playing with y'all, man. Hey, for my guys, man, go ahead and share this, man. It was a great draft preview. We broke down the prospects. We talked about the Bulls. We talked about Zach Levine possibly being moved regardless of the Bulls and who they draft. Great prospects. King Vaughn, his death, that was our flavor in your ear. And we also did Truth for Trash, man. We gave you a lot of content, about 90 minutes worth. So enjoy it. Until next time, three dudes from the game who love the game talking the game right here, A2S Network. See you next time.